0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score Nord Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Hockey! Yeah. yeah! My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. in Game uh, 3 of the qualifying round uh, today, putting the Wild in a must-win going into the, what is it, 9.45 start tomorrow night. Uh, game 4, I'm Zolgad Decker-Goff, Uh Judd's Hockey Show last fall. Uh, appreciate you jo- uh, joining Twitter, Twitch, Facebook. However you are consuming us, we appreciate it. All right, Dex. Let's start with you. Afternoon hockey. Your, th- your thoughts. Your well,
1: thoughts. well, well. First off, let me just let me just start start off this correctly because <laughs> it is happy hour. It's four thirty. Actually, it's four twenty. It's a really nice hey, time of day right now, and uh, and the wild loss. So you know, uh, I'm cheering you from far away here from this press. Seltzer, pomegranate, ginger. I think you'd really like this one. I think even Stella would have uh, dabbled in this one a little bit.
0: You never know with her She's smoking, drinking. It's all sure. right. I've lost control of my child, my daughter. Um, but
1: but initial thoughts, Jud. Just uh, man, the Wild just lack a finisher, and I think maybe we just got a little too excited after that game one. I don't think I don't think the Canucks like outplayed the Wild drastically tonight by any means, or today, I should say. Okay. Um, the, the, the Wild had, what, seven power play opportunities. I thought Staylock, yeah, he was Alex Staylock, but there was numerous chances in front of the net. They couldn't catch a break. There's a puck that hops over a stall stick. There's scrums in front of the net that trickle past the crease. And and the Canucks are just able to bury a good chance from Besser early on. It, it, it wasn't like the Wild played so poorly, but when there's literally 17 penalties or whatever the hell it was over the course of the game, it's hard to get in a rhythm five-on-five. Five. And, and Minnesota... Wasn't able to finish it, man, and 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 it's just kind of that. That's how the story of this game went. I didn't think it was Vancouver playing an excellent game plan. You know, yes, Besser gets a power play goal, but again,
0: that top line I thought in
1: most part was held in check for the majority of the game. They just uh, they they weren't able to finish their chances. Judd,
0: yeah, Pedersen was not uh, as effective or as good in Game Three as he was in Game Two. The Wild uh, juggled and I thought to some success, especially early on their line combinations. Jordan Greenway who uh, we, we talked about late night, the last um, John's hockey show, last call that we did. Greenway was a non factor. And, and I said, they need to juggle lines. And they actually did. And then he and Folino on the line that they had with Eric Sinek, I thought played okay, uh, more aggressive. But the main story post game right now, I think, is going to be the health of Ryan Souter, who was not on the bench. He got hurt, I guess, at some point in the third period. Um, the Wild had a power play in which they had Spurgeon and Dumba both out there, and I thought to myself, "Whoa, Ryan Suter's been taken off the power play." And then it turns out that he had left the bench, and if he's hurt, that's a problem because he's not a sexy player, but he oh. clearly play, he clearly plays a lot and is a very important part of what this team is doing. So postgame, game, we're going to have to find out what the injury status, and I'm sure we'll get. I'm sure Dean will tell us everything that's wrong with Ryan. Um, but that's going to be a big deal for tomorrow night's game. And keep in mind, too, the back to back quick turnaround that the uh, Wild is going to play the last game again on the bad ice tomorrow night, which is fine. Um, this game to me, okay, I'll start with, with two things. Okay. Goaltending, t- goal but Stalock made some great saves. Yep. This was Markstrom's easily best game. Jacob Markstrom was great. And, and, I think he has figured out, I'm a big cat. I'm a big dude, right? Mm-hmm. If, I basically, if I basically go down to my knees but stay up from there and take the post away, the shooting lanes and ability are basically gone. Markstrom played a great game. The second thing is, and look, the Wild by this point in time knew exactly what they were getting into in into, uh, today's game, okay? So this yeah. is no surprise. But mm-hmm. the second thing is special teams. Again, both teams, seven power plays. So this is not a, oh, my gosh, the Wild are being screwed by the officials and the Canucks are getting all of these power plays and the Wild aren't. But let me take you through the three games, special team-wise, from a power play standpoint for the Wild so far, Declan Goff. All right. Two, two for four first game. 50%. Fiala got that first goal, what, three seconds in, I think, to the, to the Wild's first power play in the series. Yeah. Okay, two for four. Game two, 0 for 6. Today, 0 for 7. 2 for 17 on the power play. When, when you are getting, when officials basically are going to both teams and saying, please do something dumb because I am, we are dying to give you power plays. When your response is 2 for 17, not good enough. The Canucks went 0 for 1. So game one, the Wild basically, I don't know how, miraculously stayed out of the penalty box. Game two, Vancouver, one for seven. Game three today, two for seven. So three for 15 in, in the three games. But the point is, from a wild perspective, if you are not generating more on your power play, you're in trouble. And in the last two games now, over for 11 in any series is not going to cut it. It's just that simple.
1: And, Judd, look, we we can, you know, complain and moan about all the all the all the penalties that were on both sides here tonight but at the end of the day both teams had seven power play opportunities and one team was able to get at least something out of it and the other wasn't like yes I I don't want the whistles to be around all the time tonight in 60 minutes of hockey Joe we played five on five for 36 minutes that was it just 36 minutes of five on five play and I do think the wild five on five play pretty well their power play is always just so sporadic and up and down that yeah it's not something you can lean on. Regardless, when you go two for 17, you deserve to lose. And look, Vancouver's a younger team. They're faster. They have more skill up top. That being said, you still had the opportunity to win this game. You did, and you blew it because you couldn't convert on your power play opportunities. And Vancouver, I, I thought in game one, was a complete—they they, they snored through that whole game. They looked completely outmatched. Game two, you saw, okay, so that's Vancouver. They're fast. If you don't slow down Pedersen and Besser, you're going to have a nightmare of a game. Game three, I thought was a hybrid of both for Vancouver. I don't think they played their best game. I don't think they played their worst game, but they allowed the Wild to hang around for the majority of the game up until they scored the second one to give them insurance. The Wild were, were in it and they had power plays after power plays to try and tie it and cut the lead or do something. And the Wild weren't able to finish it. Yes, Vancouver's a young team. They're fast and, and they're fun to watch. And as I told you after game one, I think this team's probably going to be a force in the West in the next few years. They're going to be really, really good. Markstrom's phenomenal. Yes, let's not discredit how good Jake Markstrom has been for the majority of this series, and especially today was well, his best game. But you had an opportunity to beat these young guns and show like, oh, we're veterans, and we've been in the playoffs before. We know how to do this, and you were not able to capitalize. So, yes, Vancouver is it, it up 2-1 to one right now, and now the Wilder have their backs against the wall. They're going to have to win two in a row to to move on. And it's going to be a pretty tall task to do that, Judd. I, I now I'm at the point where it I wouldn't be shocked at all if, if this one's in the bag by uh, by midnight
0: tomorrow. I think we're going five, Dex. I think we're going we're gonna five. We're going five. I okay, am going to come back and and win tomorrow night. And I don't know. And if, if you get this thing to five, it, it's a complete toss up, right? Um, but just to your point uh, of of saying that you think the wild is in trouble. Uh, I saw this step this morning in the star tribune, the teams that have won game three in best of five. So we've not had a best of five. I think 1986 was the last time in the uh, national hockey league, but teams that won game three in a best of five after splitting the first two games, the team that won today's game, 21 and seven all time. So you're right. I think we're going five though. So here's the interesting thing about today's game. Today's game. Especially in the first period decks, I felt like this was the most even, like there wasn't, game one, the Wild was great, and to your point, I agree completely, the Canucks just weren't good. Like the Canucks, I don't know if they were nervous, or they were thrown off, or the return to play had them not right, but, but in game one, the Wild came out with a great plan, the Canucks sort of just disappeared. Game two, I, I thought the Canucks responded with the correct resiliency. And it wasn't that the wild was terrible, but I think if you were to say which was the better team in game two, Vancouver wins that one today. I thought coming out third period, it felt like a series, and it didn't and it didn't feel to me like, oh, this one team is coming out hot and the wild is not or or the Canucks are, are hot um I, it felt like this was the first game in which it really felt like both teams had settled into the temple of the series, so. I felt like the game was there for sure. Mm -hmm. I I thought that what they did, what Dean did to juggle the lines, actually in extended periods of time worked. Um, Let's talk about, just quickly here, the wild fourth line. Koivu, uh, Sturm, Hartman. Nico Sturm, to me, earned playing time. And, and yes, the Donato thing is frustrating because I think you and me and everybody wants this kid to step up. And and we all think, give him playing time and let's see. That being said, Sturm to me stepped in fourth line wing, ordinarily a uh, center, and played an incredibly solid game, sound game, created chances. That fourth line worked its ass off and was fun to watch. And I really thought that, that the uh, swap of Sturm for Donato gave this team a boost. It didn't help to win the game, obviously, but. Um, it also shows you exactly how far Victor Rask is buried. Did Victor Rask go is Victor Rask in the bubble or, or did they just say, "You know what, Victor, uh stay home just like the fans. Fox Sports North got you covered and tell poor Victor Rask, we'll try and do something once this is done, but you know what, buddy, don't even bother getting on the plane for Edmonton cuz it don't matter for you."
1: Yeah, no, he's he's there.
0: He's definitely there. He's hanging out with the guy. He might as well be on the couch with me and the dogs watching the game today, Dex.
1: That's what it sounded like, man. And and I like think Nico Sturm is a uh, is played really well tonight, man. I think he I thought he really deserved his chances. And that fourth line in general between Hartman, Koivu and and Sturm was probably the Wild's best line tonight. And unfortunately, um, you know, they, they weren't they were the only thing that was working for them. I, I, offensively, the Wild just weren't able to bury chances. They had opportunities, Judd. I mean, if you're just looking at high-danger chances, the Wild had 10, Vancouver had 11. Um, in terms of our Corsi stat, I know how much you love your Corsi. The Wild had a Corsi percentage 4 of 55% to Vancouver's 44. So okay. the, the Wild had possession, and they had opportunities. They just, how many times did we see? I think the one that really killed was, I think it was Zuccarello, who passed the stall. And the puck just bounces off his stick, and, yes. and it, it, if Stahl hits that, completely different game, completely different game. And then everything else, there was a few other strums, uh, scrums in front of the net where the puck just trickles behind. Markstrom, you had Eck, who God bless him, he works so flipping hard. But I think Alex Stalock might have better hands than him. Um, you had Ryan his Hartman in front of the net. Around. Yes. His
0: stick was if if he w- was a right-handed shot on the play that you're talking about, he scores, yeah. but he had to turn his stick. It was just bad luck, basically.
1: Right. So, I mean, that that that's what's so frustrating, I think, about today's game. It, yes, the penalties, we can, you know, we can complain about the penalties and disturbing the rhythm, but both teams had plenty of power play opportunities. Besser was able to score a great goal diving with style and was able to find the back of the net. The Wild had seven of them, and they couldn't figure it out, dude. So I, I don't look at the game as like, oh, wow, that Vancouver team's pretty dang special. No, Markstrom saved them. Markstrom was on his A game today. But in general, that Vancouver offense, that top six that we were worried about, and you had to shut them down so you can match up better because the Wild have better depth. That mostly worked tonight, I and mean, I think mostly the, the Wild were able to match them offensively. It's just Vancouver or uh, Minnesota couldn't convert a power play to save their leaping lives, and and that's I think that's the main takeaway that I have from this.
0: So, as far as the penalties go, let's let's um, dive down deep here, okay? Okay as a fan i don't like this as a fan i want 5 on 5 and i'm not saying that they shouldn't call anything but just as a fan of, of the sport and like if it's wild canucks or if this was oilers blackhawks all right i don't want to see this i want to see them like everything every stick infraction is called and you could call a stick infraction constantly well let's yes. let's delve down deep here into where the wild needs to be smarter and and the the a dumb play that costs you dearly. Jordan Greenway oh. is at center ice. And I swear to God, Dex, I've got 11 notes here about today's game, okay? okay. I had just written note six, which is the move of Greenway from that first line, which was not working. I think mm-hmm. we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. The move of uh, Jordan to the line with Eck and Felino was working. Like, he was more physical. I think that line's just a good fit for what Greenway does. Yes. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't ask him to be – it doesn't ask him to utilize talents he probably does not have yet, at least. Uh, so I'm writing this note down, and that's at the very point as I'm writing this that he slashes McEwen's stick and is called for a penalty that I don't personally really like. But you know, you know three games in – it's going to be called, and then if I'm not mistaken, Vancouver scores a power play goal off of that. But the fact is, this is the type of thing I hate the penalty call. But that being said, I can't I can't sit here and bash it and say I'm surprised. And Greenway and everybody else on the Wild by this point in time has to know that that's going to be called. That's the type of dumb penalty, and, and it's at center ice. It's not on a scoring chance for the Canucks. It's not some oh my gosh, I've got to possibly take a penalty here to prevent the scoring chance. It is just a dumb um, play that's given no thought that in a playoff series like this, which again is best three of five, there there ain't a lot of time to screw around here, is an incredibly dumb, short-sighted move that before Greenway uses a stick at all, he's got to give that some thought and say, you know what, I'm going to lose the puck. Okay too bad Mm -hmm. the defenseman will help me that's the type of play in this series that helps to define it that you look at and say you win or lose series based on a play like that and because you know you know if you slash that guy's stick you're going to get that penalty
1: Yep. And anytime, anytime you break stick and it was weird, it was a weird situation. He's trying to get control of the puck he's going and it just, it happens to break his, the other guy's twig in half. And and you're going to get called for that every time stick infractions happen. I posted that video last night of the great Frank Saratori at, at Air Force, who is, is an amazing quote. And, and who always says, if you're looking, if you're a referee, and if you're looking, you can find a penalty on just about every single shift. The good ones are the ones who let them play and, 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 and figure it out on their own. Right? So, that's the that's the frustrating part. And I thought Greenway, even for how much I've ripped him and how much I'm ready to move on from him, Judd, up until that point, I thought Greenway was playing well. Like you said, he, he his style complements what they were trying to do on that line. And you even saw earlier this season when I believe it was that Jack line, you know, Cunning, Eck and Greenway, they played very well together. Um, and, and I think that's where he's supposed to be. Him being on that top line for the first you know game and a half of this series, I think, was a humongous mistake. But if you put them in that situation down there, it's going to be an awful lot better. And again, Judd, maybe I'm going to see if this works here. But I'm just going to illustrate, you know, just how many chances the Wild truly had in front of the net. We'll see if this works for our audience here. I don't know if you can see this heat map, but yeah, as well, that's you can awesome. look at and, this technology, yeah, look at that, huh? And you're drinking too. This is really impressive. Work I, you. Th- thank you, thank you very much. I you know sometimes I do my best work when I have a couple seltzers in me. So a- a- as you see in the Minnesota t- section here, that's their offensive zone. So everything in front of Markstrom. Look at all the color right there in front of Markstrom between the circles right there. They they had it. They had numerous opportunities. And from even in the near side circle, they were there. They had a couple shots from the blue line. And if you compare it to Vancouver, yes, a, a, a juicy one right in front of Stalock. but they suppressed shots everywhere. Like Vancouver had nothing going really too much offensively. They get a great goal from Besser who pulls a Buzz Lightyear and falls with style and gets it in the back of the net. But mostly... The Wilds' offense, as you see from the chart and the heat map there, Mm -hmm. they they had opportunities to beat Markstrom, and Markstrom was just a little bit
0: better. Yeah, he he was great. Um, That's why I don't think – it feels like because they got shut up that the Wild played a bad game. It feels like that. I don't think that they did. I think that there were moments where they probably weren't the smartest team, but I don't don't feel like this was a terrible game. And uh, I'll tell you what, too. All right, let's talk about some skill here. Okay. Well, Kevin Fiala Now I do want to talk about a very dumb thing he did That I didn't like but Kevin Fiala Again for, for the third consecutive game And let me see if I wrote this down Off of Fox Sports North during their telecast Going into the third period His his uh, Shot attempts in the first two games And then the first two periods of game three Declan, 9-11 And he had 13 today going into the third period So this does not account for his Shot attempts in the third period today. How nice is it to watch a guy? And how much can you see the difference when you watch him? Do you know who he is as far as his shot and his ability to control the play in the offensive zone? He's sort of Patrick Kane. He's got that same dynamic that Kane has. But watch, watch the rest of, you know, watch Stahl or Parisi. And these are not bad players. But watch them set up shots or get shots. And you can sort of see it. Like you can sort of see them almost thinking through what they're doing. And sometimes um, the puck will dri- will dribble off their stick. Something will go wrong. And then watch Fiala like that. And the incredible thing is realizing, realizing the difference between guys that work hard and are good players. Drink that salsa. And guys who are gifted. Kevin Fiala, and I do want to get to one really dumb thing I think he did, but Kevin Fiala Fiala is the difference, I think, between us talking about this game right now and saying, well, the Wild tried, but they're probably dead, and and they really had no chance today. And the difference is when you have Fiala, they did have a chance. They really did. And watching this guy and his skill set, did you see the play? I've got this in my notes. I think it was in the first period. There was a play in the first period in the Vancouver zone where he has the puck, and I think he got stripped or he lost it. It dribbled off his stick. I forget exactly. And the Vancouver player took the puck and got to his own blue line. And Fiala restripped him and came back in. Like these are the these are the things that when we talk about the Wild has not had a, a dynamic player like this since Gabrick. These are the things we're talking about. We're talking about a guy who gives you a chance when throughout the course of the history of this franchise, a lot of times you've just said, you're basically dead. I mean, you're trying hard. Parisi works his ass off. Guys are good. Guys work hard. But the difference between you're trying hard and now you're going home and no, you might have a chance. Fiala today, again, going into the final period, had 13 opportunities. That is incredible. Uh, but I do want to bring up the one thing, and look, there's a fine line to being engaged and fiery and smart because I, I never want a player, especially in this sport, to disengage completely. Like, if your heart rate goes down to zero and you're a forward, I'm not a big fan, okay? okay. So I, I like the fact that Fiala cares and is ultra-competitive. But what can't happen in the playoffs occurred with 1425 left decks in the third period today when fiala comes into the canucks zone he's offside he tries to still take a shot when the whistle has gone and then decides to give markstrom a jab and he gets jumped and on the telecast they they were upset that that um there weren't more penalties called on the canucks but the fact is fiala took i believe four Minutes total in penalties. The Canucks were called for two. But that's the type of thing, whether it be Fiala in game two, moaning at the officials constantly, or doing that today, that's the type of thing where I do think that you need to control your frustration to a certain point. Because that's the type of thing that, one, the Wild can't afford to have Fiala in the penalty box unless it's absolutely necessary. And two, it doesn't help you one bit.
1: Look, he's a, he's a fiery guy and he's a very, very confident player. And I think that's what, that's what I even like more about his, more about him, even, to, even before his outstanding play that he's been. Yeah. I, I love that, especially a Minnesota athlete, uh, has a swagger about that and a confidence about him when, when he's off the ice and, and he knows he's playing well. It's, and it's especially in hockey that it's so cliche. And, and yes, it's a team game and we need to do this and get pucks deep and blah, blah, blah. But Fiala knows that he's like, yeah, I'm playing well today. I'm feeling good. I, Love to hear that. So I like that I have a player who's very wears his heart in his sleeve and he's very emotional. That being said, you know, yeah, he gives Markstrom a little bump. He gets the double minor. Uh, and, and then he gets mauled. And, and in general, just with how how the game was called, and yeah, I believe Vancouver got a, a roughing out of it. I, I think there was there was some subsequent penalties because of it. Fiala got four. But Fiala gets the double minor.
0: Fiala got nothing.
1: That being said, I, I don't – just with the way the game was going, I, I don't, like, look at that play and, and think, like, oh, Keep your emotions in check if you're Kevin Fial. That's just how I interpret it. Um, I, I, I kind of want that pizzazz, and I want that guy to have a fire underneath him the whole game. And, and I'm sure he was frustrated, man, because he's watching his team and he's watching himself miss out on these great chances that they have in front of Markstrom, and they weren't able to find the back of the net. So it boils over to a point where you do something a little silly. Well, why take a shot at the
0: goaltender? You don't need to take a shot at the goaltender. You don't don't go punch the goal. I mean, he went by and punched the goaltender. That's just dumb.
1: Well, and I don't know if this was Fiala that – I don't know if this was his reasoning, but then also, you know, Stalock got ran over twice, and there was two goal- and goaltender interference called on Vancouver. So I don't know if maybe there's some little retaliation there from Kevin Fiala. I don't know if I want – Fiala to be the guy to be right. alliterating that that type of move. I want Felino or Hartman or someone bigger and stronger to go after Vancouver for that reason. Um, but I, I don't mind that. I think the play that really frustrated me, Judd, was to see Antoine Roussel skate circles around Brad Hunt. Well, not even circles. Glide right past Brad Hunt. Yeah. Come in an unwaltz Antoine Roussel, who, yes, he is a pain in the ass, and I know a lot of people don't like him. But as I've told you, if he's on, he's you know, he's that AJ Pierzinski kind of player where if he's on your team, it would be a little bit of a different tone how you view Antoine Roussel. I, I get that he's hated by 99% of the league and rightfully so. I, he's a he's a pain in the ass. But for him, a, a player like that, to go unwaltz and go right by Brad Hunt, that was just the deflating moment for me where it's just like, dude, if this is how, if, if you are getting beat from the Vancouver Canucks by Antoine Roussel and not you. Patterson and, and Besser, You've yep. got bigger problems, dude. That is that is unacceptable.
0: Well, and what happened there? Because I, I went back and watched it again, and Brad Hunt is is at the right point there, and he is, as best I can tell, um, flat-skated. Is that the right term? Sure. Like, something blows by him, and, and he missed. I think he missed. He tried to hold the puck in, I think, and he missed. But, yeah, that's a bad play. That's a bad play, and and that's the type of play in the playoffs that's going to kill you. The, these are the things and the lessons that I hope this team, especially the young guys, are learning right now. You know, in Fiala's case, don't go punch the goaltender when you're down. And by the way, your team needs you. You are easily, like, this isn't he is sort of the best player, on, but Zach Breezy's real good. He is easily the best player. He is one of the best players on the ice, period. There's no question about it. He dominates games. He dominates the puck when he wants to. Um, let's go through the line uh, changes that Everson made in this game and okay. sort of break that down, too. So we went from games one and two, stall centering Greenway and Fiala, to stall centering Prezi and Fiala. And I sort of like that. Um, I don't know that Zach had a huge impact on today's game, but. I just don't think Greenway belongs on that line. Yes, and so I would rather see I would rather see Zach promoted to that line than see you try and and milk Greenway's talents up there because I, I do think in going to the Eck um, Felino Greenway line from what had been Prezi Eck and Cunnin, I do like that move. So so it's not that Prizzi had a great impact on that first line. But I think that's the right thinking to juggle things up and put him there and drop Greenway down.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, Greenway had no business. I think being on that top line. I think maybe the the view was, oh, well, he's a big body. He'll he'll hit it. He'll use his weight and he'll open some things up for for Fiala and therefore Stall too. But I, I just didn't really understand the pairing of that in general. And as we said earlier in the podcast too, he his game fits better playing on more of a true checking line and guys with other guys with size. And, and then that's why I thought him being on the top line didn't make much sense. Uh, and and Parise, I don't know, Judd. Ha- have you noticed Zach Parise much in these three games? Have you noticed him? Not much. Not much. And not really. and he's and Zach's always been. No matter what the Wild have had yeah. their roles in the playoffs. Obviously, Zach's always been a postseason performer. We, I mean, that that is a proven fact. He's almost a point per game your player.
0: Question. No, not really. Yeah, he, he, I he's mean, pretty, he's been out there. I've seen him, but I haven't really thought much of it and
1: that is concerning for me because he's after
0: 36, Dex. he's 36 years old it's a young man's game he's, i guess he's, he's still a nice he's a nice player and he still works hard but he's 36 Declan. right like we can we can try and spend this all we want but this is a young man's game this is i mean watch fiala and parisi and tell me they're playing the same sport these days like, as top echelon guys. Right, yeah, no, it It's not that sense. Zach doesn't have a role. Zach, look, the re- Zach Parise, um was unfortunately done a disservice, I think, in some ways, when the trade with the Islanders fell through. Because I think Zach Barise, Declan, is a very effective third-line player on a team that has a playoff run in it. Yeah, I mean, he's a first line guy t- today. I'd rather. I just don't think Greenway brings anything to that first line, and I think when you put him on a grind line, which is what he, he's on when he's with Eck and fellino I think he brings more there. But you know, Zach Ber- Zach Berizzi will still, um, once this is done, I think if the Wild can trade him, accept a trade to a contender where he can play third line, because that's probably him now.
1: Yeah, and and look, I I still think he he has some great years, a, a solid, the good years still left in his, in his game. Um, but I, I when we did our playoff preview and we were trying to figure out like, well, what players we know are going to step up? What players did we know were going to be guys that were going to be able to score big playoff goals and be able to carry you? And Zach's always been someone to me that was going to be able to do that. He was able to get a greasy goal like that, you know. He was able to, he was going to put the team not on his back, but be the one to finish the junk in front of the net. And there was plenty of junk in front of the net all game. No and he wasn't there. Um, and look, it's not a slight on Zach, but I, I I just figured that usually you notice Zach Parise in playoff hockey. And for through three games, he's essentially been a ghost. Yeah. I mean, he's he's been a ghost through three games. And and yes, it's a young man's game. They got, you got players in Vancouver who are super fun, talented to watch. And, and the, what how, the way Kevin Fiala has been playing over the last eight weeks, and in these first few games of playoffs, yes, it's a young players' league. But in general, I still thought Zach would be someone who could who could step up and do something. And through three games, I think that's probably my biggest takeaway. I have Judd is I have not I have not noticed Zach Prezi at all through these three games.
0: I agree. Uh, so we talked about the, the effectiveness of the Wild fourth line today, which was Sturm uh, replacing Donato, who I'm guessing is done now for the series with Koivu and Hartman. So we, we praised them. Uh, let's get to the third line though we we need to talk about this third line oh boy um galchenyuk zuccarello now by the way they took they did take part of your suggestion they moved him because he's a left-handed shot who plays the right wing they moved zuccarello from the right wing to the left wing and they put cunning at the right wing uh first of all i would like to absolve cunning i think he plays his ass off and i think he plays hard and i think Um, he's certainly not the most talented player in the world, but I think he's a developing player and I I really like him. And I don't think we'll ever have a game where we accuse Luke Cunnan of not pulling his weight or at least attempting to. So I'd like to absolve him here. And I'd like to focus in on two thirds of the line. Uh, The Galchenyuk-Zuccarello component. First of all, uh, let me get this straight. I was taking copious notes throughout the course of this game. Thank you. Uh, Second period of this game uh, Galchenyuk in his own zone. And keep in mind, he's playing center now. So he is. this is highly responsible position. Defensive responsibilities too, okay? This is not a wing where you can go cherry pick and hang out at the red line and do yeah. your own thing. Uh, Galchenyuk makes a pass. I think it was back into the middle of the ice, into his own slot area that um, Sutter picks off and almost scores on. It's just a horrific pass. And it's the second horrific play that he's made in two games. The first one resulted in the uh, JT Miller second period goal, I believe, on on Tuesday. Yes, Uh, this one did not result in a goal. I believe Staylock made the save, and then, as I wrote for ScoreNorth.com, and you can find this um, at our website, Matt Zuccarello continues to be a rumor more than a player. Hmm. Uh, This is not, and I first of all, I'm going back to let Galchenyuk walk mode because I'm game one. I was impressed the summer camp. what I saw of that, I thought he played or applied himself pretty hard. Uh, I'm seeing less of that now. And Zuccarello, five years, 30 million, first three years, no move clause, um, and a salary cap that's going to remain flat for at least a year, if not two, if not three, because of the pandemic. Zuccarello's contract and play right now is a complete nightmare. Uh, but I believe if we are going to dump on a line from today's game and say, what the hell? It's at least Galchenyuk and Zuccarello at two thirds of that third line, which is giving you nothing. And before and before you respond, but Judd, what do you know about hockey? Because it's a third line. It's not the it's not top six. Those guys are playing on power plays too. All right, those mm-hmm. guys are playing on power plays. So don't give me that crap. They are important. They have every ability to contribute, and they are not contributing. And um, I just I guess first of all, I can't get past the the uh, Zuccarello contract. I really just can't get past it. And last thing, um, if nothing else, this series is a gift from God to see what you have in high stress, pressure situations. And God right now is telling you, don't resign Galchenyuk, and I appreciate that, God, because that's possible. But He's <laughs> also saying, Paul Fenton, for as much as he helped you with the Fiala trade, absolutely screwed you on the Zuccarello contract and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Because even if he came to Billy Garrett tomorrow and said, I'll waive the no-move clause because I'm just not good, who's going to take the contract?
1: Right. Well, let me put you on the spot a little bit and say, what, what's more damning? The Matt Zuccarello five-year no-move contract or the Nino for Rash trade? Which one's more damning? Because they're both pretty horrible, but which one um, do you well,
0: cripples it, this team more? In the Mackie and Jug vein, that's a great question. Declan. Exactly. That's a great question. Man, you are fueled. Dang. You are I, fueled by those uh, by the seltzers. That's right. That's a great question. The reality, as much as I'd love to jump on, the, it's the Rask trade because it's one of, it's Brock for Brookleo or Brookleo for Brock. It's one of the worst trades and it's a terrible trade. Um, the Zuccarello contract without question, right? Because the RASC contract, I hate, and I hate the fact that you're still, but first of all, keep in mind, Nino was making more than RASC. So you actually got some salary cap relief. Second of all, I think I can finagle a way out of the Rask deal here fairly soon. With Mats, I'm just stuck. I am mm-hmm. completely stuck. And, and Dex, I don't see, and I think Matt's I looked this up when I was writing the column yesterday. I think he's 31, 31 or 32. I think he's 31. Um, long story short, you're stuck here. So off your question, as much as I'd love to pile on the Rask trade again, because it's fun to do, I feel more stuck with Matt's contract because on that one, I mean, you can buy him out, but I don't know what to do there. It, it's a nightmare.
1: Well, and yes, we do know that the RAS for Nino trade was a horrible, horrible trade. But you, you, you got a little bit of cap savings. Okay, so that, that was something. Nino is a good player, not a great player. So even if you lost him for nothing, I don't think it like you don't look at that as a, oh, man, that was the turning point that I knew the Minnesota Wild were going to be stuck in a rut because they traded Nino for a bag of pucks. But what it negates it, when you sign Matt Zuccarello to a five-year no-move contract and he performs like this, well, now you are stuck. Now you are stuck for five years because you already are in salary cap hell with with Prezi and Suter's contracts, okay? So I think I'm with you. I think the Zuccarello contract is actually more damning because it prevents you from making future moves. Yes, you could have gotten something more for Nino Rider. We can all agree on that. But... With Mats, you are stuck with the contract unless somehow, some way, he says, "All right, Billy, you're up. get me out of here, and and whatever it takes." If someone wants to how get, how do it, you do it?
0: I don't know. I mean, no one's going to take him. No, no one's going. No one's going to take him. No. That's the thing about it. Is is I, I guess the most that you can hope for is he waves the no move so that he can ex- be exposed to the Seattle uh, expansion draft. Of course, he's not going to be taken, but that would allow you then potentially, I think, to protect another player. But Matt Zuccarello, as far as I can tell, unless you're going to buy him out at some point here, you are just completely stuck here. It's a terrible contract. It's why, it's why no other team, from what I've heard, in the National Hockey League was willing to go to five years with right. this guy. And and look, he played he, – so he got traded from the Rangers to Dallas last year. And he, I think, broke his arm in his first game in Dallas. He ended up playing in two regular season games with the Stars. He then came back for the playoffs, and I think he had four goals and 11 points. So the playoff run was nice. But uh-huh. but if you, had, if you had subsequently looked at what he had done statistically with the Rangers previous to that, it was going like this. And it wasn't going off a cliff, but it was going down enough where no same GM would have ever said, let's sign you up for five years. You know, I could see three years, something like that. Um, but the decline in his statistical performance with the Rangers was frightening enough that most teams were like, oh, no, we're not going to do a long-term deal. And the Wild did. It was bad before the pandemic hit, but with a flat salary cap now, you are right back because guess what? You're still stuck with Parisi at this point and Suter, and I understand that those guys are not terrible players, but you are now going to be up against it again cap-wise because Fiala has to get paid, right? uh Kaprizov eventually here is going to and it's not going to be next year but pretty quickly he's going to get paid something instead of nothing all of those things make that contract an absolute absolute pain in the butt and it now becomes worse because of the salary cap not going up thank you very much Paul Fenton do you like me Declan Goff come back with um stay and I realize it's back-to-backs but it goes from afternoon game to night game do you come back with uh, with Staylock in Game Four? Because I most definitely do. He made some saves today, including one was oh, that yeah. in the third period where he dove across the the uh, mouth of the net. Yeah. He made some saves today that were great. There is no way. There's no way that I put Dubnik in goal tomorrow. I bring Staylock back, and if I lose and get bounced from the tournament, I lose.
1: Yeah, I if I if you're asking me as Coach Declan, who would I start in net? Yeah, I'm going Alex Staylock. Or coach um, Dean.
0: Or is Dean. I mean, I don't care who you are. I think you have to go Stay Lock.
1: That being said, I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Dean looks at the situation and just basically says that, all right, we're down two one. Games are against the wall. I gotta motivate the guys somehow and we're gonna throw it to Devin Dubnik. I, I don't agree with that plan. I don't agree with that plan, but I can see that circling in Dean's head. Um I think it I, I think it's probably Stay Lock, regardless, unless unless something changes that drastically. But I think Staylock ha- hasn't been the issue. I, I The issue is you can't no. score in the power play. That's number one. Your special teams have been atrocious. Um, you can't finish in front of the net. That's number two.
0: Your penalty kill's
1: fine. Yeah, your penalty kill's been play. mostly fine. And then you've gotten no-show performances and catastrophic turnovers from from players. And then if you want to pick on goaltending, all right, then we can put that in the queue. But I, I when I look at the three reasons the Wild are down 2-1, Judd, it ain't Alex Stalock. No, it, it and it's so, nothing to do with them.
0: So the, the uh, connect scored three goals, but there were two goals that were legit because Pedersen third goal was, was almost at the end of the game. Uh, the Besser power play goal, goal one, Staleck like made a save, a nice save, rebound, Besser dives on his backhand and scores. To me, nothing to do with goaltending there. Um, goal two. Brad Hunt gets caught. It's not, I mean, it's basically a breakaway backhanded goal by uh, Antoine Roussel. I don't blame the goaltender on that one. I, if I was going to make a goaltending change and look, I get it. Dean would never do this, but if I was going to make a change, which I would not do, I play Capo just to see here. I, I do think, I think what's really helping you, if you're Bill Guerin in this series as if nothing else, Dex, it's crystallizing things, right? It's crystallizing who can do what and who can't do what. And look, to what you said before, and you're right, you know, Parisi. Parisi's not – you can't rely on Parisi. That doesn't mean he can't be an effective player on a really good team, but, you know, this whole notion of, well, oh, he can still play top six or or top three, top line, no, he probably can't. Not this time of year, not in playoff games. Uh Fiala emerging more than ever. Yep. Get him a center. Le- ladies and gentlemen, can I remind mm-hmm. you that Kevin Fiala right now is basically creating almost everything by himself? Can you imagine if you gave him a center who wasn't even an all-star? But let's say let's say it's a reliable, good pivot, okay? okay. Just somebody who can set him up, get him the puck, allow him to freelance a little bit more. Sans puck then get him the puck. Can you imagine how special this guy could potentially be if you gave him that? If you just said – if you just because Eric Stahl, I think, has played pretty well. If I'm not mistaken, he went into today's game leading the Wild, I think, or tied for the team lead in points with four assists. So he's played fine. But if I gave that guy a 25-year-old centerman who could set him up consistently – what type of player we're potentially talking about. Because Fiala, to me, is driving almost every play he makes almost by himself right now. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and, and that's that's the biggest piece this team is missing, man. And, and look, number one, centers don't grow on trees. And I know you're, you're just implying I'm not even asking for a game-changing center. I'm just asking for a competent fifty to 50-point, 50 25-year-old center with some upside that can feed him more pucks instead of having essentially Alex Galchenyak play center um and and have yeah, Eric Stahl who's played well for his for his tenure here at the wild, but but he's um but he's not he's not who he is anymore. And yeah, I'm they need, they need the who, Young center.
0: Who can keep up with <clears> the <throat> Just keep up with him. Like feed him the puck because he can keep up with him, right? That's fair. So that's the only thing man. Um yeah, so Wild falls three 0 to the Canucks today. It was Game Three of the qualifying round series. They're down two to one in the series. They will play late night tomorrow night. I believe are we talking nine forty five puck drop again?
1: Yeah, late, tomorrow, not a late, right? not a late puck drop, man.
0: All right, so Judd's Hockey Show, the last call version of Judd's Hockey Show with Judd and Declan will come to you. Probably will start that twelve forty five amish central time does that sound fair right around then yeah we'll, we'll, we'll
1: see what state i'm in at twelve forty-five on a friday night
0: because um, i need you to drive this show okay okay all right he's declan i'm judd thanks for watching judd's hockey show last call declan
1: he knows he once ate an entire sheet cake he knows your selfie life isn't your real life he knows what goes down on the dms shouldn't you know your dog better now you can learn his inner secrets with embark the highest rated dog DNA test unlocking over 350 breeds and screening for over 215 genetic health risks go to embarkvet.com and use promo code DNA that's DNA to get $60 off an embark breed and health kit or purebred kit with free shipping that's promo code DNA to save today oh, oh,
0: oh, O'Reilly. This is Claudia's O'Reilly Auto Parts story
1: I had just moved to a new city and barely even knew where the grocery store was yet when my car wouldn't start one morning, I didn't know who to ask about local shops. But I remembered a name from back home, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I called, and they pointed me to a great mechanic just down the street. Now, I feel a little more at home. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.